Welcome to the Cracking the Growth Code podcast. I'm your host, Matt Zembruski, and pleased to have as my guest today, Colin Robinson. Colin's a senior consultant working in Seattle's big tech landscape over the last 25 years, wearing every hat imaginable from engineering and architectures of data centers and cloud computing to project and program management, security and software engineering, and now continuous software development using agile frameworks and practices. Colin enjoys mentoring and coaching, is a contributing author to several books, loves being a dad and traveling the world with his family. Colin, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. I'll do a clap for myself. Thanks for having me. We got to cue the uh, cue the claps in the background. <laughs> <laughs> no, nice. great to have you here, Colin. Looking looking forward to hearing you share your perspectives on on growth and just things that you see out there for trends, obstacles, opportunities, etc. Uh, in the workplace today, uh, with your experience and so forth. So let's hop right in. I got I got a number of questions, and a, we'll make this as conversational uh, and uh, informal as as we go through this. So, as as a as a as a leader in in um, in companies with teams, etc., and an agile professional, how would you describe sustainable sustainable growth as it relates to to companies today? Yeah, it's. Um... It's something that all of us struggle to define properly. I would say the, the biggest thing with sustainable growth, and I'm speaking probably very currently in 2023, um, is making sure that you balance it and that you're not relying too heavily on one project or relying too heavily on one client or a set of customers. Uh, because when those clients and customers make their own choices that you don't control, then your market vaporizes. So uh, we've experienced this year having like too many of our resources with one client. And as that client has had to reduce their headcount, it didn't just affect all those people, but it affected, you know, our bottom line as well. Because now, you know, the the sustainability that we could see on the way up, we didn't really come up with as many mitigation plans of when that, you know, plateaued and and how to how to uh, reduce that as, as things changed. And we know things are going to change. So, uh, yeah, so sustainable growth to me is, um, recognizing that things are going to change and that uh, we should do better than just having hiring and layoff booms. We should be trying to find a way to be a little bit more lean and a little bit more just in time. Uh, also try to do more with less and also look for ways to use people uh, as markets shift to you. Instead of cutting free great people you've already landed, look for ways to repurpose those people, even if it's just temporarily while you wait for the market to shift. Yeah, that balance and that customer mix and and sort of the um, as you're talking about the ability for your your teams, your staff, the employees and contractors, et cetera, at the company to be able to adapt and go through it. I'm curious. Are there? I, I know you have a, a good amount of agile on your background and, and your your work history. Um, have you found that some of the agile uh, frameworks, mindset, lean mindset, things like that, have been helpful in in adapting to those changes for sustainable growth and so forth? Oh, absolutely. In fact, it's why for years we were hearing the, the term like change mindset, right? And I, I I love it from an agile perspective. I want the agile mindset, which isn't that I'm trying to change, but that it's tr I'm trying to recognize the conditions, balance them, sort of sort order or prioritize them, and then do my best to make the best choice today. And guess what? Tomorrow I get to wake up and I get to do all the same things again. Because I, I I love how many mistakes I make because I get to remake better ones tomorrow, and uh, so yeah, the change mindset assumes that you what you were doing was wrong and that you have to change to be something else, 
And then when you discover something else is wrong, you have to change to be something else. I'd like to think that I have a whole bunch of me's and I need to be agile to shift to support that when I need it. And companies kind of need to do that uh, as well. And the more agile the company is, the more nimble they are, then they're able to do that. And the others have lay off 5,000 people at once. Yeah, and then it all comes back, right? Then they go try to hire 5,000 people back six months or nine months or 12 months later. Yeah, um, and, and even like while they're laying off, they're likely hiring. It's it's an interesting, there's that internal hiring, the quiet hiring has become popular where it's like, well, we stripped it down, but we can't stop business. So we're going to do some mitigation hiring while we figure out what's next. Um, I think there's some healthy things to that. I, I read in... Uh, uh, Musk has a new book out, uh, autobiography, and he talks about, you know, you strip back 100% and then you put back 10% that you got wrong about the strip back, right? You, you realize uh, immediately if you aren't putting 10% back that you you probably aren't doing things right because we all do things wrong. We got a few things wrong and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. I needed Colin. I needed Bob. I needed whoever. And then you figure that out. And you, Or if it's not a person, it's a role. Uh, but then when you build back, you hopefully you're building back more sustainably and really looking for ways to to justify each and every step of growth you're doing, not growth for growth's sake. It should have other metrics and other OKRs and KPIs, but really just other things that aren't just growth for growth. How about valuable growth? And how about growth that your customers really value as opposed to just more? More oranges isn't better, but more tasty sweet oranges is better. So it's like you gotta figure out like what more and what growth you're actually looking for. Bigger isn't always better. More isn't always better. Have other metrics. Yeah, that's fantastic. The other metrics and, and you know measure what matters. We hear a lot in the industry, right? And uh, and and that's really that that gets me to thinking. What you just shared as to how how strong and transparent the feedback loops are, how frequent and transparent the feedback loops are with your actual customers that you're delivering value to, right? You mentioned about the customer mix, and if you if you reduce the amount that you're able to give to one customer maybe because they go away you bring new customers on how are you able to have you found that transparency and having those fast feedback loops with the customer and being able to communicate that all the way through the organization have you found um good ways to do that with agile frameworks or or um in general is that is that part of the what you're talking about with you know measuring the important things that you want to grow with yeah i mean um I would say that's my job and it's the hardest part of about the job, right? It's uh, educating people. And you know who the easiest person to convince about agility is, is the customer. If you show a customer a product that sucks and then show them three more that are better, they are happy to jump right off of what they had into something else. And if Apple ships their new device this week and then a month later says, for all of you that bought one last month, we've got a new one and you can just get a new one for free. Come bring it to us. Customers will agile, as agilely hop to the new thing as, they, as you want. So um, the problem is convincing the, the, the ship to turn, and these ships get very big. And even in small organizations, uh, they, they tend to grow and grow and grow, and, and growth is good. And growth is what brought us in and made our salaries go up. But uh, growth also is what makes it hard to shift. It's also where you build dependencies that you can't really manage. And you end up getting to a scale where your growth becomes a uh, almost like a cost center. You're like, it's costing you throughput. It's costing you value. It's costing you sales. And you're doing more, but you're not doing more with less. You're doing more with more. 
And so over time, that's where agility helps you figure out like, okay, we've been getting it wrong for a long time. And if we want to do an agile transformation to the whole business, I, I personally think that's a mistake. I actually think what you do is you strip back things and say, Team one, how 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 much dependencies, how much interaction with other? Oh, you don't have anything? Great. We're going to leave you alone. You're going to keep moving. Your, your little sailboat, your little rowboat is doing just fine. But then I'm going to get a bunch of people that are like, no, these, these features are too big to deliver on one team. Uh, how can I uh, better improve on that? And that's when we look at, at, the, at the different ways we scale a business and scale the frameworks that I use uh, to sort of address the need a little bit better. And I, I'm convinced part of why companies get most of these agile and business transformations wrong is they, for some reason, think it has to be January 1, we start for everybody in the company and we all have to switch the bit immediately. And there can't be any stumbles along the way. Pilot programs work, getting feedback, inspect and adapt, all these great things that we love about agility. You should be able to say, hey, we have 100 teams this year. I think our goal would not be to convert all 100. Our goal is to evaluate all 100, but move forward with one, two, 10, or 20 of them. And when we can have like an established success criteria, then we go back to the business and also ramp it up, ask for more money, do it the right way. Uh, but the evidence should be there that we're making progress and the frameworks are not why we're here. I do not sell any scrum. I don't sell Kanban. Uh, I might sell it from my own, you know, personal check, but I don't sell it for what I deliver on my job. So uh, yeah, these are, these are challenges. I, I think we do benefit from agility. And I even say all businesses benefit from agility. I'll, I'll quote this a thousand times, which is you don't build the Burj Khalifa starting with the 101st floor, but I can still do agility. I can still have lean practices, just in time building. I might be able to build in a modular way, in a, in a repeatable way, in an improvable way. And so all businesses, I'm a PMP as well. So I have a history in traditional projects and those things still exist and I still see value in those. I just love agility and that's why I love software teams that are using the, the different, different frameworks that I, that I push and support. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. You mentioned a lot in there. There's a lot to unpack. I want to I want to hit on one item that you talked about. Um, um, you know, success criteria and establishing success criteria. And um, it sounds like what you were uh, saying is you want to have different success criteria, different stages in the company's growth. Right in the beginning, maybe you're just building that first level, but you have the vision for the whole the whole skyscraper. Right, and as you start going and you're building, you're expanding your teams and construction, whatever you're doing. Right. Then it's then your success criteria uh, could change. Right. So that way you're not hitting a growth plateau and you're sort of leveling out and you're just looking at things still from the beginner's mindset. But you're more from a from a, a, a new a new place, uh, a new mindset. So what talk about success criteria for a moment, Colin, what you've seen, what you've seen work well, like with your situation today or maybe in the industry in general. What do you what do you think is good success criteria? You mentioned about. Um, making sure that it's important that you're adding value to your customers, right? Like, how do you how do you measure success? A couple a couple success criteria that you've found uh, useful. Sure, sure. I mean, in the world of software engineering, I mean, we we obviously we love using the OKRs and KPIs and having acronyms to try to sell an idea, but that idea only matters if we can all like envision it the same way. And so, again, as a, as a scrum technique and as an agilist, one of the things I push that should be uh, from the bottom to the top, and I think there should be multiple ones of these, are team agreements, working agreements. 
So when, whether it's just my team of developers or whether it's a scrum of scrums of my peers, or whether it's a bunch of senior leaders that are arguing about how we're going to spend a few million dollars, um, I think there needs to be a, a working agreement. What are we here to achieve? It's more than a, an agenda, by the way. It's like when I speak to you, it may be, um, I may push back, we may argue, we may raise our voice, but we are coming together for the purpose of delivering something. And then once we can agree on that, then we work on, on deciding what the something is. But I'm always the person that says, we don't know if we're successful unless we've decided before we start what that's going to look like when we're done. Is it going to be the number of customers that sign up in the first week or the first day? Is it the total revenue by the third month? Is there something that we're going to use to measure it? And then along the way, without getting too measurement heavy, what are we going to do to make sure we're on track to that? And I'll give an example. I, I have actually come up with an agile uh, personal finance game that I created with my wife. And it includes having five-year goals that are really like, just like, a, hey, these are our dreams. You have like a one-year vision, which is like, this is our spending plan for this year. And then you have quarterly sort of synchronization. Like basically it's just a one question, like, are we on track to our spending goals? You don't want to wait till you're in month 12 to do all your spending, right? You also don't want to spend it all in month one. So you have these quarterly checkpoints that you have to sort of say, where am I? And then every month you do a bill pay and you make sure all the monthly bills are paid and have a nice adult beverage and just say like life is good. Uh, and once a year you update your one and five year plans, right? And so businesses should be just as simple. I shouldn't have to explain to a person running a Fortune 500 that businesses should be just as simple, but I do. They all think, no, 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 we are the different ones because we're so complex. And because you wouldn't understand because you've never been a CEO of a uh, of a wireless company. And I'm like, absolutely not. I've not signed up for that particular thing. However, I am here to be like a constant improvement specialist. And I can see poorly designed processes, whether I'm at the stadium in line for nachos, wondering why it's taking so long, or whether I'm talking to a senior leader. And I've had the pleasure of working with some of the greatest leaders in the world. You know, I worked for Bill Gates in a couple different companies. And I don't just name drop him for, uh, for name drop purposes, but to, to really be in a room of people that are so excellent that they're sitting there in a room with Bill Gates and are able to speak as peers, to push back both ways and have that work in agreement that at the end of it, we know what we're building, we know how we're gonna move forward. And no matter what we trip on, we're gonna get there together. And companies that can do that are successful and, and Bill's built a few of those, so. That's fantastic. So it's not like you're talking about the team working agreement, but also the example you used about personal finance, I think is fantastic, very practical, right? Where you're the, in that example, you're the, you're the product owner, the scrum master and the customer. At that point, right? You're also receiving the value when you guys go and you know toast your adult beverage at the end of it. At, uh, you're you're receiving the benefits because you said, "Hey, we we saved up this much. We're ready for our next trip or our vacation or whatever, um, home improvement things like that." Um, and uh, and that so that that's that's a good example. I'm, I'm curious how um, I'm curious how in in growing companies like you mentioned, Fortune 500 companies, some of like Bill Gates firms and things like this. He seems, he seems like he would be a, a person that would really, um, and I have never worked for Bill Gates uh, company, but he, to me, he seems like a very uh, obviously um, intelligent individual. And he seems to me like he would be intelligent from an agile growth mindset perspective in that he would welcome uh, the culture moving toward more of a growth mindset and being, and having more of those open conversations 
like you're talking about uh, in the room with with the leaders and the executive team. You know, let's talk about what what KPIs and OKRs really matter for us this quarter, not just to our stockholders, not just to bump the, the number up on the on the ticker tape, but like what really matters, what's making a difference for our overall company mission and so forth. Is that did you find that in some of the ethos of of uh, those conversations and meetings? Yeah, yeah. And especially, you know, again, as far as like a growth perspective, one thing that we all should do more of, and, and he really got me to think about this 20 years ago, is you, you've got to be looking to grow like yourself, your org and the company sort of always at once. It's really hard to do. It's kind of, mm-hmm. we're asking people to spin a lot of plates, but it's the way we grow a career in big tech. And uh, so you've got to be thinking about what your role is. My my bug or my, you know, meeting I'm running or my workshop or whatever. Uh, but you've got to roll that up in some way to deliver it. Um, so it's serving sort of multiple masters, right? Like you want it to, to, to be off your list because it's your work, but you also want to make sure your team is delivering a number of quality. And so Bill was just one of those people that like, you were speaking to the CEO, but you were also speaking effectively to our lead developer, right? And he didn't code at that point, but he was also somebody that was able to like hear the elevator pitch and in a matter of seconds already have better questions for you than you have for you, you know, because his his thought is, here's all the things that just hopped in my mind and I'm going to throw them back at you. And now the great, the, those of us that thrived and survived we were ready for that because our thoughts did go into where we want, where we knew Bill would want us to go. And we were going to have design aspects. We were going to have mitigation plans and risk reductions. Uh, but also we were going to say uh, along the way, we'll know we're there because we'll have, our goal is to have X number of lines of code be automated uh, so that we're not constantly having to, to, to fix X, Y, or Z. We're going to reduce our bug counts below this number. And when we hit this threshold is when we launch into this thing. So they tie OKRs and KPIs almost as like, uh, I hate to use the word gating, but like something where you're like, I want to know that we've hit a threshold before we all agree that we are, we're moving on to the next thing. And um, again, there's a hybrid reason to be between Agile and Waterfall. There's a time when we move fast. And I think there's a time when we move slow. And for us Agilists, that's hard to hear sometimes, but also... Mm-hmm. Companies are telling us now that we've experimented with Agile. We love it, but we also need to know when we need to pump the brakes and and really know if whether we're measuring the right things and whether we're adapting accordingly. Exactly. And it sounds like with with all that, uh, whether you're measuring the right things, adapting accordingly and so forth, sounds like, uh, and as you mentioned, like Bill being in the room or another senior executive as you're there having a conversation Seems like active listening is a really good skill for everybody in the room to have. It sounds like Bill is very good at active listening um, to be able to hear what's being said, process it real time, and then feed back really good questions, you know, to to the uh, to the room, um, and, and get everybody to have a really good open conversation on their feet. So, I just um, yeah, he's one of two CEOs I've interacted with that had a uh, literally a physical difference between how their eyes almost fluttered. And wow. I almost felt I could see him having another CEO level event in his head. He's planning his next whatever while having a very in the moment, active listening moment with us. And the other one was Sujo Patel, who is famous for real networks and free BSD and things. Uh, but people who really are functioning, their minds work in a way that mine wasn't blessed with. But uh, it's 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 a pleasure to be with people that can like really 
uh, so actively pivot. And I mean, it's an agile brain. It's really somebody yeah. who's, who's in the moment. And that's, that's something that's really, really powerful. No, that's fantastic. That's really cool. These are uh, amazing insights you're sharing, uh, Colin. I really appreciate it. And the theme is growth. We're talking about a lot of aspects of it with, with the, um, um, you know, the, the conversations and the metrics and the, uh, you know, the listening and the, um, and, and so forth that go with it. As we, as we wind down, I want to, um, I created a fast five uh, questions. Uh, okay. They're all about the industry. So it's sort of like, and there's no one right answer. It's like, it's like, you know, what do you prefer? Like blue or red favorite color? It's that type of thing. There's no, but I'd like to get your, uh, your take on it. Some of it relates to what we talked about. Some of it doesn't. But um, to wrap things up, I'd like to hear your uh, your answer. I'll give you an A or B choice and just let me know what you think is most important for growth or maybe just what you think is most important for you in the industry. Sure. And then uh, and then I'll I have one more question to wrap up uh, after that. So for the fast five, uh, what do you think is most important to help um, the organization or, again, the industry attracting talent or retaining talent? Retaining talent. I do you want me to elaborate or you just want me to answer? Well, we'll just go fast through them and then, and then we'll, uh, but no, sure. it's good. It's okay. good. Um, uh, hybrid work or remote work? I think hybrid work. <clears throat> grow now or grow later? Grow later. More focus or more fun? Hmm. More focus. Clarify the vision or optimize execution. Hmm. Clarify the vision. Fantastic. Those are great. Great answers. Uh, excellent answers. The question I have doesn't relate necessarily to elaborating on that, but it could. It's uh, you. You talked about some good examples of. Um, uh, living it and breathing it, you know, the growth mindset, agile mindset, et cetera, with you and your family and, you know, the way you approach life. Uh, it's not just, oh, I turn it on for work and I turn it off when I go home. Um, what's a, what's a personal, um, uh, a, a personal habit or some type of personal routine that you found works well for you and it helps give you, uh, more, um, ability to execute, uh, in the, uh, in the corporate world. Hmm. Well, I'll use an agile one. You can see behind me. I'm not sure if anyone will have the camera vision of this, but um, I have Kanban boards in my life. And uh, for folks that don't know what those are, they're basically a prioritization board, but also it's a visual board. It's something I can see. And uh, I right now I run three. I've learned that three is too many, but three is the number because I have sort of a me board, me and my career. I have a family board that my wife and I do stuff. And then I have sort of like a house to do list. Uh, you could think I could merge them, but for reasons I won't go into, I don't. But what I find is, number one, I have a five-year-old. I was able to teach him the understanding of prioritizing work and understanding what we wanted to uh, use our time for today and, and why some other things may be down the board. Uh, but also we can I can collaborate with my family because I have this this board and I'm neurodiverse. And so having things out of sight and out of mind isn't great. And having everything on my device doesn't solve all my problems. So having a board that's physical that I can like I have a stack of stickies next to me, I can write things down before I forget them. I can have them on the board. I can prioritize them and get them done. 
uh, that's one of the techniques that works both personally and professionally. That's a fantastic example. I do a lot of that as well, uh, Colin. I don't have three organized boards, but I've uh, I've been in and out of that before. So that that's a great great suggestion. Thank you so much for that. And we'll we'll wind up in the interest of time. Thank you so much for being on the Crack and the Growth Code podcast today, Colin. Really appreciate your time, expertise, wisdom, your great stories that you've shared across your your uh, your various experience in different companies and so forth. It's really valuable. I found that one thing that really helps is uh, sharing across the industry. There's a lot of unique situations that happen company to company, place to place, country to country, uh, state to state. So as we share and collaborate, uh, we share expertise and uh, best practices. I found that to be uh, our audiences uh, really crave that and wanted more of that. So I appreciate you sharing everything today. And uh, thank you so much for your time, Colin. Thanks so much. Look forward to talking to you again. Take care.